Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome to The Call on this Thursday afternoon. Great to have you company live from our Brangaroo studios. 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to our expert panel. We have got a great panel today and some great stocks to talk about as well. Ben Clark from TMS Capital is with us. Ben, how are you? I'm good. Good. good Last one of the year for me. So, oh, wow. Yep. Got to cover. Make so, the most of it. So we've got 11 buyers. Uh, Maybe not. No. Good. All right. He tells it like it is. Let me tell you. Grady Wolf from Bell Directors with us. Grady, how are you? Good, how are you guys? Uh, going well. Look, lot on today. I want to get straight into it because uh, um, in the first half hour, um, we're going to be running the rule over Next Ed, Abacus Storage King, Helios, Seven Group, and also Regis Resources. Stock of the day, though, we can't go past the uh, Sol Pattinson Perpetual Tango that has started this morning. Shares are firmly in focus after it uh, perpetual rejected an initial $3 billion proposal from Solpats while confirming confidential discussions took place when the bid was lodged back in November. It says the $3 billion offer not in the best interest of perpetual shareholders, telling shareholders to take no action in response to the proposal. Uh, perpetual says the board remains focused on delivering shareholder uh, value. Uh, Solpats is perpetual's largest shareholder. Uh, the bid calls for perpetual's asset management business to be spun off and distributed back to Perpetual's existing shareholders. It says Solpats believes the complexity of the Perpetual group together with the current market backdrop and uh, high financial leverage is weighing on the share price and constraining Perpetual strategic flexibility. So Perpetual is saying Solpats got this wrong, Ben Clark, that there's nothing wrong with Perpetual. Um, who would argue with Sol Pats though? <laughs> uh, yeah. Be a brave man yeah, to exactly. argue with Rob Milner. Exactly. The Newington College is finding out at the moment. But yeah, um, yeah look, I, I, um, it's an interesting move. This sort of blindsided me yesterday because yep. we're um, Sol Pats has been one of our biggest holdings for years. Yeah. I can see the logic in it. So what Sol Pats are after isn't the fund management stuff that we all see and talk about. They're after the trust business, which is a very resilient um, business that would probably trade on a much higher earnings multiple if it didn't have the funds management stuff right. interwoven into and it. And the trust business is basically how perpetual started. Exactly, that, perpetual that, trustees. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that they morphed into something over time. Yep. Um, so, you know, a lot of fund managers and a lot of wealth managers use Perpetual as the trustee of their assets. Yeah. And as more and more assets keep getting pumped into there, the pool of these assets continues to grow. And it's a very, um, like there's only two or three companies in the country which really have the scale to compete. So mm. it's, a, it's a, a, not a lot of competition, you'd say. 
And then they're after the wealth management part, which was sort of interesting to me as well, because, um, you know, I think there's been quite a wealth, you know, it's an interesting I'm in. And um, uh, we've seen um, the um, Liechtenstein government has um, bought Crestone, which is one of the biggest players in Australia these days. Um, And there's been some pretty big moves in the industry. I think everyone can see that this is an industry prime for growth. And then, you know, the, what Sol Pats are saying is the funds management part, which has been like, there's a lot of debate about it because there's been a lot of takeovers. Um, they yeah. kept... Didn't they buy Henderson, Janus? Um, no, they bought, they... A, they bought a US value manager and then they bought uh-huh. Pendle. Ah, oh, Pendle. Mer- merged it. with Pendle, yeah. but it was sort of a... <clears throat> yep. And like, even I think the fund managers at Perpetual didn't like any of those deals. They've got oh. this weird... Funds management is very difficult because you've got guys like um, Paul Scamaragas who he's left and these fund managers hold a lot of power in the mm. companies. And um, Solpats is effectively saying, we'll give the funds management company back to the shareholders as a standalone business. Right, right. Um, and so spin the fund management <coughs> out into a separate that, the yep. shareholders retain that. And yep. Sol Pats takes the other two parts, which I would say are the jewels in the crown of right. the perpetual business. Okay. So, so where does it go from line, here? Sol Pats. Yeah. You've well, been a big supporter. Yeah. Still a supporter. Absolutely. Sol Pats still a buyer at this. Yeah, I went to level. a conference that Rob spoke at mid-year. They've got about a billion dollars in cash on balance sheet. He alluded to the fact that we think there'll be a deal done before the end of the year. I reckon he's been looking at this for a while. Right now that we've seen this. Um, Perpetual, very quick to disengage, launched a strategic review. So they're kind of saying, well, we'll try and do this ourselves. Right. Solpats is the largest shareholder of Perpetual. They own 10% of the stock, so they'll have some say. See where it goes from here. I mean, they've refuted Are you a buyer of Perpetual? No. Right. No way. No. Right. Buyer of Solpats. <laughs> like, if it gets sold down a bit on the back of all of this, right. definitely keep your eye on it. Okay, look at that Perpetual price there. If you went back five, ten years on Perpetual, it's been a shocker. Right. I remember it was $40 probably 15, 20 years ago, and it was $70 at some stage before the GFC. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So uh, hasn't there we go. There There's go. the uh, the five-year graph, 45 just before the pandemic. And you sort of think where it would be if this hadn't broken out, you know, you're basically... Five-year lows. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And they're saying they think it... Thanks very much, Sol Pats, for pointing this out to us. Yeah. Uh, we think we can do it ourselves. But yep. the question is, well, shouldn't you have come up with this yourself? Yeah, and a, and a debate will be, what's the Sol Pats share price worth? And I'm sure Perpetual will start to flex this because if you're getting, um, the, the, the bulk of the money is getting paid with Sol Pats shares. Right. So, right. Um, you know, they would want, need to hold up for the, the value to Still remain. to go through, yeah. right, okay. Uh, Grady, what's your view on the deal and each of the stocks? Uh, the deal is definitely in favour of what obviously sold Pats because they're taking the two best assets out of the perpetual brand 
Um, the funds under administration of the corporate trust business actually had a takeover offer from a Japanese company last year, and that was rejected on the obviously on the grounds of value. And that is the growing part of the business, and it's the stickiest part of the business because once it's a really um, hard and tedious process to get the companies in and the um, corporate trust in, and once they're in, they don't really leave. So this is a growing market, especially in the US. So the fact that Perpetual has it is a really strong part, but obviously Solpats absolutely wants to take it off their hands. Um, leaving the assets under management for um, Perpetual is, again, the shareholders probably won't be too happy about that because they're losing the two the two biggest parts of the company to Solpats. Um, we've always been, we're still really bullish on Perpetual because it's obviously got the new management team, which is an entrepreneurial focus. And we've kind of uh, run the microscope over this company recently and we're really bullish on them because the new management is really entrepreneurial they've got a focus of tailoring their products to uh and their services and funds obviously to what clients want and what investors want which with a lot of fund managers this year we've seen them obviously sold off and really doing it tough in this environment because investors want to see where their money's going they want to see a personalized approach not a one-size-fits-all and that's where perpetual comes in really strong they've kind of taken a strategic review and gone we going to go with a client first approach and that's exactly what they've done obviously the pendle acquisition was good as well that brought in a lot of funds under management made them a massive player in the field and so naturally yeah. um so why why has the, why is the share price uh, five year low uh, five year lows if everybody loved those acquisitions uh, at the moment, they're looking. What we saw is that the acquisitions recently, we're wait, we're still waiting for the um, the benefit of the acquisition with Pendle to come through. So that's kind right. of taken place over the last six months, and over six months, it kind of takes. It takes six months for every the benefits to fully be seen and known with, with any acquisition. So we're expecting FY24. So the uh, results in the last quarter for or FY23 for Perpetual were disappointing, and that's exactly what the Bell Potter analyst said. But we're expecting FY24 and um, beyond to be where we see the mm. exact benefits okay. of these acquisitions to come through. So what's your view? So you've got a buy on Perpetual by the sound of it. Buy on Perpetual. On these lives. Um, what about Solpats? Yes, yeah, Solpats is a buy as well. We don't cover it, but looking at the looking at this deal and looking at everything that's coming through for Solpats, if they get this done, that makes them a major player in the trust uh, corporate trust market. So definitely what you want to see. And obviously they're a massive company diversified across all the different areas. They've got the thermal coal exposure though, which um, obviously naturally we've seen come down in recent times as the as the world turns to this green energy transition. So we might be seeing a bit of transition out of thermal coal um, for Solpats. But again, they've got Brickworks, they've got Borrell, they've got everything. So they're a massive company. They've got New Hope Corporation, Eris Resources. They've yeah. got uh, their own funds management. So yeah, they're a massive company. They're a major player in the market. And if they do get this across the line, they'll be even bigger. Okay. All right. Let's get into the uh, stocks you want us to take a look at. And Grady, Nancy wants a view on NextDC, the big uh, data storage uh, group. Yeah. 
Next DC, we have a buy rating on Next DC. Looking at the company, it's in the tech sector. Naturally, the tech sector is the sector driving the market right now. Uh, what we see is the company has, um, they've had a bit of headwinds recently, but those are moderating. So they've slower than expected billing ramp up, lower gross margins and higher OPEX. But what we see is that they're um, aiming towards and looking towards the positive side of strong bookings momentum. And our management is guiding towards a record year for new contracts in 20. 2024. So the company, uh, they obviously provide physical centres for cooling, power, security services, um, IT management support, technical services. So again, we're looking at this space in terms of um, obviously the AI and tech movement. And so what we're looking at is that in moving forward, the medium term earnings are slowing because of the reasons I said earlier, but the long term and new site over the new sites and expansion is exactly what you want to see. Um, data storage warehouses is a, a massive opportunity opportunity in the market right now. Next DC definitely plays into this. So we're definitely seeing increased demand, new demand. And so with that, and obviously costs coming down in the future as they start to refine their uh, rollout plan um, and then execute that over all these new contracts, then obviously margin growth is on the horizon. So yeah, definitely in the right place at the right time. Um, and we're looking for yeah exp expanded demand. So yeah, Next DC is a buy yeah. at the moment. Okay. Uh, what do you reckon, Ben? Next DC has it had a good bounce back this year. Big time. Uh, God, um, everyone was saying uh, higher energy costs would have really hit them. Now energy yeah. costs are coming down. Yep, it's um, yeah, shot back it's up. gone back in their favour. Um, and I think you know the AI thing. Like we can all see that there's going to be a lot more demand for data centres, and they're really starting to generate scale in this country yep. at rolling those out and expertise and all that sort of thing. I'll go a hold just because I think. Valuation-wise, it looks pretty full to me. Um, look, I think Grady summarised it pretty well there. I, there's not a lot I can add. I, th I think um, um, Craig Skurgi has done a, an amazing job going from one data centre to what they've got. They're looking at expanding into Asia. So they're reviewing, um, I think, Tokyo and Singapore as two, that'll be their first move offshore. Oh. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I oh, guess is that interesting in a good way? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's good that if they do it in the right. I mean, if that you know, if it's one data center and it works out, then they've got a thing that they can continue to replicate. They're probably not going to be betting the company on that right. move. So, so you'd like, think Japan would be pretty good at that. You, wouldn't you? Oh, and Singapore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not. Look, I'm not sure what the logic there. Maybe it's. You know the Australian companies that are operating out of they've got the relationship ah, with right. could be I'm not um, yep. I would say decent level of debt um, which will start rolling off over the next couple of years so that's just one thing I'd be you know tell investors to be a bit mindful of is a lot of companies locked up debt at very low rates yep. three four five years ago um, as that debt comes back to market so the, they're coming to their own cliff. That, well, this they is the are corporate way, debt cliff. Yeah, they've got the about cliff. three to four years for almost all of their debt is going to roll off and right. it's going to roll off onto much higher interest rates. So right. they, they locked that debt. Their average cost of their debt, I think, is about 4%. Oh. Um, and so that will, you know, so that will hurt. But that's, you know, it's not a criticism. It's just something to be aware of. Um, the company's done really well. The demand for these centres is going to continue to grow. They've got great expertise. It's not cheap though. So right. I think just on valuation grounds, like you've seen on that chart we had before, 
this stock has given you multiple um, opportunities to get in when it's out of favour, right. and that's when I'd be looking at buying this Okay. One. All right, so buy on any sort of pullback. Yeah. Um, next stock uh, is a is a REIT, but one with a bit of a difference. Ben David wants a view on Abacus Storage King, as the name implies. It's in the um, self storage business, so it's not in commercial or industrial properties. Uh, One hundred and nineteen self storage um, businesses in the portfolio. Yeah, this I think this is a great little niche. This area yeah. of property because we all are accumulating more stuff, and we're all living in smaller and smaller dwellings. So yep. there's, I, I think, in um, there's just going to be increasing demand for these sort of things. What's the other one? National storage. Is National that, storage. Is the other REIT in yep. that area. And then you've got um, Kennards, which is unlisted. Oh, yes. They've got yep. a big storage business. Um, yep. So like if. Just this one's only just been demerged out of Abacus Property Group. It became uh-huh. such a big part of their business they spun it off. The NTA is a dollar fifty-six. That's, so that's if they that's sold all discount. these properties, it's, it's very big. Um, and compare like most REITs is about thirty percent discount. To yeah, NTA. or even twenty. This is more than fifty. Yeah, so I, that's that's a that's that's a big discount. Um, the occupancy levels across their properties are at 91 percent which is healthy um, rents went up on average about nine percent last year again <laughs> that's something to be aware of 26 percent gearing and their um, debt was locked in at an average rate of 3.6 percent and that will all roll off in the next three years so if yeah. if abacus storage king came to market today i reckon they'd be paying something in the sevens to uh, refinance that debt, so that is going to eat into their cash flows. Um, but you know that's that's why these stocks are trading at these levels. I, yeah. I, I think I'll go and buy. Um, yeah. I've talked myself into it. It's it 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 looks attractive, and I think this, as we've seen with industrial, this has got a bit of a. It's it's a niche property area where there's not yeah. a lot of players, and um, you know there there is a lot of infrastructure behind booking these things, dividing them up. It's yeah. pretty good, pretty good product. And, it, and if you think that this is the top of the interest rate market, so, completely, all REITs will benefit. Yes, but that just seems a discount that's out of whack for the type yep. of business. Yes, yeah. doesn't. Yep, I would have thought so. Mm. Grady. Double buy here. This company, like Ben, I literally have talked myself into the company as well. But this company is such a niche and it's it's been caught up in this sell-off in the REIT sector this year. Naturally, a lot of investors don't understand diversification in the REIT sector and just think that rising interest rates impact every REIT. But it's really shone a light on this kind of, um, the, obviously, Abacus Storage King. And given that it's such a massive growing business, it just shows there's so much upside potential. Now, as I said, or as Ben correctly said, the um, occupancy rate is at 91%. So it is so hard to get hold of a storage unit these days. My parents have just got some and they're in the middle of nowhere in WA because they're so hard to get anywhere right now because everyone's, we're expecting default levels on uh, loans and mortgages to go up and that we have seen an increase in these. So a lot of people are turning to rentals, which is, again, it's a hard market to get into right now. But when you do, a lot of people are downsizing to apartments, therefore storing their furniture from houses in these storage units. 
they're a really sticky business because everyone's time poor and instead of going through and getting rid of things in your storage unit and clearing them out people just keep piling them up and getting more so again it's a sticky business and a growing business so I know my parents have two of these and we only used to have one so it just goes to show that instead of cutting down people are just going yep I'll put it in the storage unit um, with revenue per average uh, per available meter that's actually increased 3.6% quarter on quarter and 4.9% year on year to $309 dollars per square per square meter so available meter so that's a lot of money so 319 dollars per available meter that's a lot of money coming in revenues are high as ben said gearing is high though um, but it's below the australian REIT sector average so the average for that is about 29 or i think it's about 35 so their gearing's gone up to 29.1 from 26 last year but again it's below the sector so that's not a massive concern there um ben did touch on the uh their debt levels are higher so they are they are higher but the medium term is not the min they have minimal debt expiring in the medium term so that's um obviously bolsters their their balance sheet to deliver on some of their um key outcomes and desirables so i love this company it's a really really niche company but again looking forward a lot of people are looking to get into this storage unit from a consumer point of view yeah. so there's only growth upside yeah. in my in my opinion really interesting and that's a that's a danger of saying oh we hate reach we're just going to get out of the sector you never do that it's sort mm -hmm. of Exactly, really and that's what we noticed play. a lot of it's people do. Stock play, is that? Yeah, a lot of people just mm. assume the whole sector was going to be so bad in this current environment, but there's so much diversification in the sector and so many opportunities now. Yep, this could be a nice little niche. All right, um, Smith wants a view, um, Grady, on Helios, our uh, second largest pathology uh, provider, but they own a couple of day hospitals, IVF clinics as well, diagnostic imaging centres. What do you think of Helios? Uh, Helios is a hold. We don't actually cover it, but I've gone and looked at, obviously done the research behind consensus expectations, and a lot of the brokers actually have holds right now. Um, the company has cost increases that are headwinds right now. So they've had rent inflation has gone up four to five percent per annum, which is not great. Wage inflation, again, wage price index continues to go up and is a key driver of our inflation remaining sticky in Australia. So that's going up. And then the addition of new radiologists, again, is um, obviously that's a cost that the company has to wear. So at the moment, um, it's hurting the, these cost inflations are hurting our revenues and hurting margins. Um, the second half is looking for a bit of recovery though, as these are factored in and the company is starting to manage costs and we're expecting obviously costs to come down in the future when interest rates hopefully start being cut. Um, we do, in this sector, when you've got um, higher costs eating into margins, that's not a great thing in this environment. So for a company that's reporting um, the 92% fall of underlying profit year on year in August this year. Uh, that's not a great thing in this sector, especially with the healthcare sector um, outperforming the market over 10 years. So in the healthcare sector, our picks are actually Telix and Neuron because those companies are on the growth trajectory, whereas a company like Helios is a hold mm. at the moment because it is a strong company. It's uh, obviously the pathology. They've got the IVF, as you mentioned, which is a growing industry. But yeah, with costs on the, on the rise and... Um, looking to kind of eat into margins for the foreseeable future right now, uh, that's definitely why we've got a hold at the moment. Okay. Ben, what do you think of Helios? It's, it's come off the golden years of COVID, yeah. hasn't it? Because yeah, 
they, you know, charge the government for sticking swabs, swabs up our noses and things like that. And yeah. as I, as I was sitting in car parks, getting it done during the pandemic, I was thinking. God, this must be a gold mine for whoever's doing this <laughs> yeah. because they've set up a tent in a car park, yeah. <laughs> no overheads yeah, and zero. just whacking everyone through. Yeah, and um, you had to do it. Yeah, exactly right. Now it's the other extreme. Um, yeah, like to me, this stock has been a mess um, and it's been really poorly run. Uh, so they made a $300 million acquisition in, I think it was in the UK a couple of years ago, which they took on a lot of debt to um, to fund. They've just had to do an emergency capital raising at $1.20 because their bankers were getting so nervous that they were forced to do it. So um, wow. I, I'd normally say when companies do this emergency raising, that's probably time to buy, but it's not always the case. Like you look at Star. Um, yeah. There's some good shareholders there. John Wiley runs his funds management business called Tanara, and he's the I think he's the largest shareholder, mm-hmm. and he's you know blowing up about what's happened with this business. But so share price five year low. Five year low. I'm going to go sell. I, right. I, I think it's a complete mess that still has a long way to go. To, I, I reckon they're probably going to end up trying to sell this business, probably for two hundred million dollars less than they bought it. Right. Yeah, the brokers have all got a hold on it because that's they just all earn a fortune advising the company on the emergency capital raising you know if you've got a sell on it you don't get probably use maybe that's a bit cynical but (laughs) i don't know like i reckon the ceo's got to go the chairwoman said that she's on the way out it's there's a lot this is a work in progress and i just didn't make the most of that two years by the sound of it well could have set them up forever exactly well they they've they squandered it you know they've then gone and bought something which has turned out to be a complete disaster and you know if you think this was primary healthcare if you remember back then and it wasn't the most exciting stock in the world but it was well run by um ed bateman and it's this is a classic case to me like turnarounds they are so hard and sometimes they happen quickly but very rarely so i guess buffett always said problem with turnarounds is not many turnarounds all right good advice um jared uh wants of you been on seven group holdings of course run by ryan stokes has big interest in boral bridge oil kennards west track uh biggest shoulder uh, shareholder in several west media which is only a tiny part of the business james warburton the boss of seven west announcing he's leaving today yeah so kind of the exact opposite to Helios. Um, I would say this is a buy. Um, I think this is the only stock in the ASX 100 that hit an all-time high yesterday. So um, that's, a, that's done well. They, they, this has been extremely well run, this business, over many years. It is cyclical. Um, you know, Westrack, Coates, um, the energy part of the business, Boral, very cyclical parts of the business. Um, but they do, like the cycles don't tend to all occur at once. So the, you know, the, yeah. the diversification across the assets um, has served them well. They're trading on 15 times forward, which is not mm. expensive, I would say. They just upgraded their earnings guidance at their AGM a couple of weeks mm. ago. So we know the business is performing well. WestTrack is the highlight. It is blowing the doors off and, and Coates not far behind. And if you look at the amount of um, money that's been pumped into the mining industry and into infrastructure. Where's trade do Caterpillar? Uh, yes, sorry. Tele- yep. Caterpillar trucks and front end line. And, and they'll sell the truck 
yeah. then they service it and they yeah. sell the parts for it and they've got the exclusive license on it. So it's not like it's a one-off sale. It's, you know, there's no. repeat business that comes with it. Um, great management, founder-led, go by. Mm. Um, mind you, it is a great tester. I know, I've got to be sort of a bit careful what I say. Because <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up. <laughs> but like, uh, Ke- Kerry Stokes is is the dominant sort of public figure. Uh, but Seven Group has been Ryan Stokes's baby yeah. for decades, yeah. over a decade. And yeah. it's a great testament to Ryan. Um, this group has been so successful. Well, it's been extraordinary. Just throw a number. I know everyone focuses on Kerry, Kerry, but Ryan runs this business. Yeah, completely. Um, and since he started, I think it was seven years ago, does yep. that sound about right? The company has done 22% annualized earnings growth. Wow. Like that would be ASX 100, that'd be less than five to 10 stocks that have got a record like Jeez. that. So he's done a really good job. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Grady? I don't even need to say anything. You two have hit it on the head. It's <laughs> definitely a buy rating. The company has such a good diversified portfolio. Uh, in every area that we're seeing growth right now. So mining and equipment services through West Track, you've got Coates, as you said, which is the largest provider of equipment solutions in Australia. And we're seeing so much growth in the mining space. So these companies definitely service this. And that's absolutely why we see there's a great growth potential and outlook on the horizon. Um, we also see that the company, its investments are in market leaders. So it's not just jumping into these little small players in niche markets. They've got market leaders in their portfolio, especially Especially with Borrell as well, they've got the 72% holdings in Borrell. So that is just, or 72% of their investment portfolio is in Borrell. And Borrell's just upgraded its guidance range to 300 to to $330 million, and that's significantly higher than the 270 to 300 it previously issued. So Borrell is obviously Australia's mid-tier, um, sorry, its largest integrated construction materials supplier. So all of this is just showing how much potential of growth is on the horizon for Seven West Holdings, and so Seven Group, sorry, and we just love the outlook for the company. So um, the upgrade especially reflects the performance over the first four months of FY24 for Borrell that is. They've got cost management across all of the business divisions in Borough and it's it's just this company is what you want in your portfolio. It's the staple. It's got access to, it's got diversification across every sector, sector that we're seeing growth in and we expect Borough to um, track upwards of 24% in by FY25. So this company is just, uh, honestly, you've both hit the nail on the head. It's just a growth mm. company. It's a really strong, um, as Ben said, it's got the growth at maintained growth over the last many years and so yeah what we like to see is that it's got leaders it's got access to low capital allocation as well so yeah definitely a buy it's sort of in that wes farmers soul pats sort of completely investment companies that are well run. But this is one that's not really talked about no, much. No, exactly yeah, so right. It's kind of the underdog, but it's dominating. Yeah, <laughs> just it gets on and does it. All right, Simon wants yeah. a view, Grady, on Regis Resources, uh, uh, a gold stock in um, um, the eastern gold fields of WA. And uh, uh, what do you think of Regis? 
Yeah, definitely a buy rating on this one. It's one of Australia's largest gold producers. And as we know, gold is the commodity of the moment. And the outlook for gold in heading into 2024 is really strong as well. I was um, actually speaking to the analyst, David Coates, about this one. He has a def, a strong buy rating on this one because of the attractive assets that it has. It has a multi-gold multi mine producer. And with the gold miner, you want to see producing, not just exploring or developing. So they are producing. Um, they've got two projects in WA, so one in Laverton and one in um, in Kalgoorlie as well, um, and that's producing 300,000 ounces per annum, so that's a really good run rate and strong run rate for a company in the gold sector. And then it has the acquisition of the 30% interest in the Tropicana gold mine for um, in 2021 as well. So they've got two gold mines, both in Tier 1 jurisdictions of mining. Um, they've marginally beat production forecasts for 2023, so that's what obviously you want to see as well. Um, they and then Tropicana actually delivered a nine percent beat on on production and also all in sustaining costs. So all in sustaining costs is a key metric that investors look for in the gold mining space. When we're looking at Regis, they've got around um, it's about nineteen hundred per ounce and twenty three hundred per ounce at the respective uh, mines. So with that in mind, at the price of gold right now is over three thousand dollars Australian. That just shows it's a it's at the lower end of the all in sustaining cost among competitors. So that's a really strong metric there. Um, the company is the outlook for gold, as I said, is really strong. So if you're looking for gold gold exposure in your portfolio, uh, Dave Coates, our analyst, definitely said this is mm. one to consider. Okay, Ben, are you as uh, enthusiastic? Share price hadn't done much for the last two years. Hasn't well, it? it's fallen. It's yeah. A, yeah. Um, so and the reason for that is they're hedged. You right. know, so they they made a loss last year, and um, it's because they've got a hedging policy. They basically, I mean, that's not all of its hedge, but the bulk is. Right. And it's hedged at a price below what they're producing at. Yeah. So that's not great news for me. And um, is that a long term? Uh, that's what they do all the time. So, well, I mean, to me, gold companies all tend to, you know, like they hedge in the bad times because they're worried it could get worse, and then yeah. they they maybe when they should be hedging they don't right but i think most investors don't like um miners that hedge right. they, they, they like to try and work out what they think the commodity is going to do themselves and then they get the upside if they're right right um so i don't know i i'm kind of a hold maybe a sell um because that hedging doesn't wind off for another year so and they've said because you've got cost inflation at these mines the cost of production is going up, but what they're selling it for is locked in. Yeah. So yes, Grady's right that once the hedging rolls off, suddenly you'll get this big jump in the profitability. That's but another year away. Yeah, I think it's too far away for the market to start pricing that in. Um, and they do have quite a lot of capex requirements for this year, and they do have a bit of debt. Um, mm. uh, so I'll, I'll say a hold, like I, you know. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he wants to offend you, Grady, by going no, no, the no. opposite. It's all good. The hedging <laughs> is a definite factor you need to consider. Yeah. So the hedging comes off in FY25. So again, that is, that's probably a bit too far on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. I'll go sell. Okay. You talk me into it, Grady. <laughs> um, I'm not offended at all, <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. All right. I'm very bullish on gold. I was at Bellevue Gold's mine site yesterday, and I'm just loving gold right now. Okay. All right. Let's recap the uh, first five stocks two stocks of the day, uh, Solpats and Perpetual because of 
um, the uh, the deal or negotiations they've been uh, uh, they've been involved in. Solpat's uh, a buy from both Grady and Ben. Um, Perpetual a buy from Grady, uh, a no from Ben. Next EC, uh, buy from Grady, hold from Ben. Abacus, a buy from both. The, uh, the storage reads. Um, Helios, a hold from uh, from Grady, a sell from Ben. Uh, a buy from both on seven group holdings. And uh, Regis Resources is a buy from Grady and a sell from Ben. Uh, here on the call, we've been following our own um, high conviction fantasy portfolios picked by the Investment Committee, of which Ben is on it. Uh, latest episode of the committee meeting, December, live on the platform ozbiz.com right now. That December meeting uh, had uh, ResMed, Car Group, Car Sales, and John's Ling were among those added, or the three added to the portfolio in place of Wes Farmers, taking some profits on that, uh, RPM Global and MA Financial, those three were sold. Um, and the fund is up 13, almost 13% at the moment. Uh, this half hour, a um, couple of lithium stocks, uh, take a look at LGO, uh, Grain Corp, Pilbara Minerals, A2 Milk Company and Telstra. Uh, Grady, let's uh, kick off this half hour. Taylor wants a view on IGO, the lithium stock. Yeah, IGO is an interesting one. Obviously, it has come off in recent times, but its exposure to lithium is what we like, and we feel like this is the sentiment bottoming out. As you can see, it's a very messy share price chart just there. Um, that's primarily on the back of the company acquiring the Cosmos Nickel Project, and I actually drove past that project yesterday when I was in the um, Goldfields region. That's the problem of the company but we feel like this is bottomed out now because obviously nickel the company bought this nickel mine at a premium when nickel was soaring and obviously it's tied to the commodity price fast forward nickel's come off this year and there's the problem with that one but the company's greenbush's lithium operation is exactly what we like and what we see as the most valuable component of igo's portfolio um there around this it's got a really open it's one of wa's um highest grade operating lithium mines and it's a large high grade ore reserve and it's a forecast mine life of greater than 20 years so with a mine life you want to see the average is around 10 to 15 and so a great a mine life of greater than 20 years is huge um, they've also got the Quinana lithium hydroxide processing plant. They've had a few issues with that, but again, we see this is already factored into the share price now. So the um, commissioning issues are set to unwind in the next few months. So what we see is once that comes online, they've got the processing plant, they've got the lithium mine, they can do the end-to-end -end operations. Lithium obviously again has come off this year. So again, that's factored into the share price and another reason the share price has come off. But all in all, this company is a really good um, exposure to lithium moving forward. What they do with the Cosmos nickel plant, uh, nickel mine, sorry, is what uh, we are keeping an eye on over the next few months. But again, we like to mm. see, we think that this is the bottom out of IGO and it's a strong company and lithium exposure is what a lot of investors are looking for. So this is one for consideration. So yeah, a buy rating at the moment. Okay. Ben, has it bottomed out? It's, it's a million uh, dollar question, isn't yeah, it? Everyone yeah, yeah. wants to know. <laughs> um, I'm not, it's a, it's a horrible chart. It's a horrible chart. I think lithium's about to have its real test because a lot of these miners have only ever operated in incredible lithium pricing environments. And 
the lithium price for many is now getting to their cost of production and for some it's now actually under their cost of production right the big so if you look at 2024 there's going to be they reckon 25 percent increase in the demand for lithium and a 40 percent increase in the supply of lithium mm-hmm. and the, the analysts all seem to be zeroing in on what the chinese i'm going to have to lepidolite producers are going to right. do oh. because they're apparently about 25% of the world's or 20% of the world's lithium supply but they're all now massively underwater so do they start to put mines on care and maintenance stockpile oh. lithium um, so it's getting into the uranium sort of well, sort of yeah, situation. I mean, every ton that they pull out of the ground and sell, they're losing apparently about 40% of what it costs them to pull wow. it out of the ground. They're, apparently, it's a very high cost. Uh, it's like their iron ore industry, it's really high right. cost. So the question is, does the Chinese government step in behind this space and say, we'll support you because we want to own critical minerals and we've got BYD and all this kind yep. of thing? Or are they left to make these decisions on their own, which mm-hmm. logically would be go on care and maintenance, wait for demand to continue to increase and then come back on, which would then see a supply reprieve for everyone else, particularly Australia, which are much lower cost producers. Right. And yeah, so I'm not sure. I, I'm going to go sell um, because I think they've got they bought a nickel mine at the very top of the cycle and nickel, I can tell you, like that can do some like it's the price swings around all over the place, but it can go through some pretty nasty periods as well. And I just think there's still a lot of people stuck in these lithium stocks who are like, what's going on? And, you know, they're getting closer to running out the door. So um, I'll I'll go sell. Sell. Okay. All right. Just on the point of the lipidolites, um, it's interesting because in China, that it's a massive market there, but there's a lot of environmental concerns. Mm. So the, there's only about 1% lithium in lipidolite rocks. And so to get it out of the ground is a really energy, high energy intensive process. And so they're looking at the, and it's also very poisonous. So they're looking at um, the environmental mm. impacts of this now. So we might see this as a um, headwind, I mean, sorry, tailwind for lithium moving forward. Just something to consider. Okay. All right. Uh, ben Phillip wants a view on Grain Corp, as the name suggests, in the storage and, and transport of grain ag business. Yeah, this is a great business. Um, and the good news for Grain Corp and the farmers is that um, El Nino, everyone was selling this stock off, running into the confirmation we are going to have an El Nino. Um, El Nino. And we've had some rain in some key parts of the country at a key time, and right. uh, they're, they're harvesting now. So volumes will drop off the 2022, you know, bumper season that we saw with all the rain. Yeah. But they're holding up a lot better than the market expected yeah. them to. So, Grain Corp reaffirmed earnings guidance at its AGM a couple of weeks ago. It's announced a 50 million dollar on-market buyback. It's got 350 million in net cash and volumes are holding up. But, you know, El Nino, like how nasty is it gonna get? How long is it gonna play out? Is next year the year we get some really nasty droughts for the farmers? But I think you can sort of look through it with this one. Look, I'd say hold, right. but on weakness, this is a buy, okay. this stock. And it, again, like um, we've seen um, with, with uh, some of the others we spoke about earlier, Next DC, you do get opportunities to buy this stock in bad, parts of the agricultural okay, cycle. so around 750 at the moment. I reckon it's a hold. 
Right. Yeah. But when does it become a bit? Look, I, I, I'd say I, I don't think you need to rush because I, you know, in El Nino, if the if the bureau's correct, we're talking an eighteen month to two year weather pattern, and right. um, maybe it's this time next year if we have had a nasty year. Let's hope we don't. But if we have, yeah. Yeah. that would be the time potentially to start looking at it. Okay, um, Grady. This one's a buy rating from us and a price target of $9.45. So recent, uh, in recent weeks, we've seen some increase in the outlook for the crop coming out of Victoria and the eastern states of Australia. Um, the outlook for 2024 is looking really good. Um, obviously, the co- companies in the agricultural space and the farmers are naturally, they could be the best company in the entire world. But again, as Ben said, Mother Nature plays a massive part. So with the outlook for these weather patterns coming through, um, the outlook for crops are still very strong. So I know over the last few years, we had El Nino, La Nina for years and lots of rain. And that really impacted not just the ag stocks, but a lot of miners as well. And so the company like this, the outlook from the CSIRO uh, recently has said crops are looking really good heading into 2024. So what this says is that obviously implied outlook for Grain Corp is strong. Um, We're also seeing the grain basis has weakened from historically high levels. So that's something to consider as well. Um, And then US grain pricing has come down as well. So that's one uh, headwind the company will have to face. But it, while there's there's a lot of divisions in this, they've got the storage, logistics, the, um, the sending of grain, obviously moving grain around, and then obviously the agronomic service as well from the East Coast grain in- industry. And obviously oil seed crushing capacity as well. So they do the oil seed crushing. They've actually invested in expanding the oil seed crushing because the margins are higher there. So recently we see sustainable earnings base is increasing because of this oil seed um, expansion in production. So uh, while the while some areas are facing headwinds, others are, stri- are thriving. So that's what we want to see for a company like Grain Corp. So yeah, we like the outlook and it's a buy rating at the moment. Okay. All right. A buy from, from you on Grain Corp. All right. Next stock, Sue wants a view, Grady, on Pilbara Minerals. You liked IGO. Do you like Pilbara in the lithium sector as well? We don't cover Pilbara, but going by the consensus view at the moment, this company has been hit really hard and there's no denying that it's one of the biggest producers, well, the biggest producer in Australia and its deposits are obviously in tier one jurisdiction. It's a buy rating at the moment because it's come off so far and the company, a lot of investors really punished this company recently, but there's not too many reasons to punish it as heavily as it has been. I think it did go on a massive run um, because of the hype around lithium last year. So it probably was a bit overvalued at that time before it started producing. The company is producing now and uh, at the moment it's really, really strong. Its outlook is strong. The fundamentals are there. Um, we do, we expect demand for lithium to grow by 28% per annum to, to 2028. And while there is a lot of talk and noise at the moment in the market saying that supply will outweigh demand. Getting lithium out of the ground is actually a really tedious, long, hard process and very costly process. So while there are a lot of companies playing in the lithium space and supply, according to experts, analysts, um, CEOs, it will probably never outweigh demand. And so with the growing electrification movement, we're seeing more EV vehicles being made. All all car companies are moving into the EV space. There will always be demand for lithium. So with a company like this, it's a massive company. They have net cash um, has come down recently. So, um, and also revenue was down 42% in the, I think it's the first quarter 
of 2024. So they are doing it tough right now, naturally because of the price of lithium coming down. But the outlook for lithium is strong and the fundamentals are there. It plays a key role in the movement moving forward green electrification movement. So a company like this, given that it's already producing, it's got the Pilgangora asset, it's a massive asset and the growth there is, it has so much growth mm. potential. Okay. It has offtake agreements, so that's exactly what you want to see. All right. Uh, ben, what do you think of Pilbara? I'd uh, catch the six o'clock flight out of Perth on Tuesday morning, um, back to Sydney, um, security queue out the door, all high vis, um, yeah. everyone going to work on a plane. Uh, <laughs> so many Pilbara high vis and BHP. It was like it was like a resources edition of the call. I felt like going, <laughs> how, the, how are things going? Any production issues? <laughs> it was it was an incredible experience. And I don't know if anyone's ever done it, but it, it was just it was like a, a really busy day on the trains, but it was just flights up to up the Pilbara and yeah. Port Hedlund and out to the goldfields. It yes, was incredible. Yeah. yeah. Pilbara, I'm going to go hold. Um, like I take everything Grady says there, you know, that's there's no flaws in that. But, you know, this, this company, I think, is going to be loss making at the moment. So, wow. Yeah. I, and, and, well, look, it's not exactly clear because it is quite opaque, the price of various types of lithium and, um, and and production costs do move around. But I think most of the analysts are now sort of thinking that they're now drifting into, um, you know, so this is what I was sort of talking about. This is the hallelujah moment. Do you keep, if these prices stick for a year right. or two, do you keep producing So they're loss? hard rock lithium tantalum. Yeah. So, uh, for most investors, uh, we think lithium's lithium, right? But it's not really. It's it's like not, there are lots of different grades, lots of different grades, and lots of different pricing of those grades, right? And um, so, what we've seen in the Australia and on every market around the world is this massive ramp up of short selling in these companies, and the reason for that is because um, there's not a commodities exchange where you can go and short lithium the physical mineral because right. there's so many different types and the way the lithium market set up is I sign an offtake agreement with Toyota and I sell it to you at contracted prices and that those contracted prices could be very different to what the spot prices are yeah. at the moment. So um, what that's led to is the hedge funds are targeting the stocks because that's the only way that they can do it. So I would say like Pilbara has like a 20% short position against at the moment. Jeez. If you see a bounce in the lithium price, the stock's going to go nuts. Right. But I don't know if you're going to see a bounce in the lithium price in the short term because, I mean, everything Grady said there about lithium outlook being strong is correct. But what's the actual price that the lithium price ends up settling at? Because I don't think the price a year ago is going to be anywhere near it. It mm. was just a, a short period in time. and maybe this is the price i, I don't know um, but what i do know is that the company is currently losing money and right. that they have a, a significant um, capex expenditure coming their way but they also have a very strong balance sheet so they, they okay. should be fine um, so is that the difference with igo you said a sell on igo you go a hold here because of the balance sheet i, I think that as i understand it they have a lower cost of production right. a longer mine life they're a pure play um lithium player right. 
um, they don't have the nickel issues that independence group do. Um, they also, as I understand it, will fall under Biden's Inflation Reduction Act because um, he's amending the terms at the yep. moment. Um, and we did see Australian Supers just gone onto the register. Now that's really interesting because um, you know they've shown that they're willing to take these assets private, which they believe in for thirty years and the energy transition, all that sort of stuff. So. I'll go hold, and okay. if you see a oh, stabilisation in lithium price, I'd be going to a buy. Okay. All right. Uh, next stock, uh, Martin wants of you been on A2 Milk Company. The uh, um, was making hay while the sun shone uh, in terms of baby formula exporting to China until the trade war started, mm. uh, and then that was turned on its head. Uh, on a bit of a comeback, isn't it? I think so. Like I, I'm going to go buy on this one. Um, they re- reiterated guidance at the at the AGM. Um, the you know the this company has had two issues recently. The first is continual regulatory changes um, with the Chinese. So yep. what labels need to be on the tins? Whether the tins can be sold from here, they need to be produced in China, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The other big issue they have, which isn't about to let up, is that um, China told its citizens um, not to get pregnant um, during COVID because the Sinovac vaccine they had was shown to have some nasty impacts on babies. Right. So they're going through a period at the moment where the number of babies being born in China is abnormally low. Right. And therefore you've got less customers. Right. Um, But But you've got got a... Obviously, a nine-month lag. You got a nine-month <laughs> lag, and they were all in lockdown <laughs> nearly nine months ago. <laughs> Which we're in that, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, but um, I think this company seems to be taking share. It's trading on nineteen times forward earnings. It's typically traded on twenty high twenties. Um, it's got a strong balance okay. sheet, and um, you know I mm. think the outlook might be starting to go in their favour. So I'll go okay. uh, Grady. Um, it's a hold rating at the moment. So the company has had recent headwinds in terms of dealing with its exclusive manufacturer of the baby product, which is Sinlay Milk. Um, they're a New Zealand company. So we're just waiting to see what is because reports were saying that they had like A2 Milk had torn up the agreement and then now they're in an arbitration process. So it's just it's all confusing right now. But at the moment, um, the company, the revenue was up 10 percent in 2023. Um, EBITDA was up 12%, underlying NPAT up 27%. So it's a it's a good company. It's more, as you've said in the past, a marketing company. So they get the products made elsewhere, but obviously have strong presence in the dairy space. Um, now that as Ben correctly said, China is actually paying its citizens, I think it's $2,500 to have more kids. So it's crazy that they're doing that. And I think there's no limit on um, the regional number of kids you can have. Uh, the city, they've, they've still got the boundary of one kid, uh, one child per uh, couple, I think it is. But regionally in China, um, they're saying have as many kids as you want. So given that they're trying to prompt and boost up birth rates there, it does go to show there is a potential outlook of growth and demand on the product from um, they did, as I, as Ben said, they reiterated their guidance. So that's a strong thing moving forward. Um, dairy, we all drink dairy. I know a lot of corporates actually have deals with A2 Milk to supply the milk to um, obviously office spaces. So that's a strong uh, division of the market as well, um, especially given that milk in Australia, there's so many alternatives of milk right now. So that did hurt margins of A2 Milk um, moving forward in the last few years, sorry. 
But given that um, demand for demand is going up, revenues going up, NPAT went up. Um, yeah, it's a hold rating at the moment, just until we have the uh, outlook for the Sinai Milk um, okay. exclusive distribution. Uh, sorry, manufacturing in uh, in sight. Okay. All right. Final stock. Uh, we'll um, have to whip it along a bit because we're coming up to one o'clock. Although the host for the next hour's programming won't mind because uh, <laughs> it's me. Um, so uh, <laughs> usually I get into trouble if I go over by Andrew or Nadine or whatever. So come on, you've got to finish on time. But considering I'm doing it, who cares? Um, no, I should make an effort. Uh, Henry, what's a view on Telstra, the big telco grady? Um, we've got a hold rating on Telstra at the moment. We see it is fairly priced. Um, the company, obviously, the leader in Australia's network and phones and telco businesses, and they've got the um, they've got the benefit of dominating the regional space because, as I said, I was yesterday in the Goldfield region and I had no reception with Vodafone all day. So Telstra definitely <laughs> dominates that space, and I know they've got they've had the growth in the NBN. Um, they've got the con the average contracting period of twenty four year contracting period with MBN. So that goes to show they've got strong growth outlook there. Um, they've had, had a run recently, as we can see with the share price over five years. So we just go to, we do see it is fairly priced mm. right now. Uh, one thing to keep in mind is a few headwinds with a lot of customers around Australia. Um, Telstra isn't facing the headwinds because obviously Optus's outage recently has definitely turned a lot of people to consider Telstra and move to Telstra. So that's definitely a tailwind for the company. Um, but in this space, in the telco space, uh, consumers generally look for the lowest price. So that might um, definitely be a challenge moving forward for Telstra, but definitely benefiting from the Optus outage recently. All right, hold from you. Ben, what do you think of Telstra? Um, it's, so it's trading on 20 times forward. It's on a yield of 4.5% fully franked. I'm going to go sell um, right. just because I think it's not like Telstra's a comfortable hold at these prices. I think if you're there for the dividend, you, you, you know, you're not going to go wrong, but I just think there's better things to buy in the market elsewhere. Um, and in telcos, no, right. elsewhere. Okay, in yeah. other sectors. Yeah, yeah, in other sectors. And um, you know, I, I do think like the market is definitely going risk on now. And if it's going risk on, your Woolies and Telstra's and the you know the safer sort of stocks that they can be used as a funding tool by fund managers to buy to get more risk oh. in their portfolio just as we saw the opposite happen a year ago. So, right. so, so funds are switching from value stocks back to growth. They've got to be. They, yeah. they, it'll, this will be the next wave. You'll start to get industry super fund A, which was giving mandates to these value guys, and they're starting to worry that they're missing out on the running growth that we're starting right. to see. It'll, it'll chase itself. So oh, you know, I, I think the stabilization interest rates is the catalyst for what's yeah. happening. Yeah. And I, I think you continue to see the reverse. That's an important change in psychology for the market. I think so, yeah. And, you know, led by the US this year, where yeah. we've definitely seen defensives have been sold off to get into okay. growth. And it feels like our market's starting to follow now. All right, let's recap the final five stocks. IGO, a buy from Grady, sell from Ben. Graincorp, buy from Grady, hold from Ben. Uh, Pilbara, uh, buy from Grady, hold from Ben. A2 Milk, a hold from Grady, uh, a buy from Ben on A2 Milk. And Telstra, a hold from Grady and a sell from Ben. Bang on one o'clock. 
Grady Wolf, uh, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Fun session today, likewise, to uh, Ben Clark from TMS Capital. Good Thanks, to see you. Yeah. Thank you both. Thanks really so informative and, uh, and great fun as well, as I said. If you'd like any stocks for us to cover here on the call, go to osbiz.co slash call picks and put them in. Add any comments or questions about each of the stocks. We'd love that as well. Or tweet your suggestions using the hashtag AusBizTV uh, or X. Excess. Uh, stick around, the post is next. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.